Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. I'm uh, excited to preach to you today. Why don't you get your Bible open? I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I want to talk to you today. This is kind of the end of the fall. We're turning towards the holiday season next week, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to. We've been studying all fall some different ways that uh, we can get rich quick. It's a joke. You can't get rich quick. Anyone who knows anything wise knows that. But I want to talk today uh, about something significant. Today is a little bit more uh, of a teaching, and I'm hoping that you're going to learn a couple things that are going to help you along in your life on this earth. And uh, today I want to talk to you about symbols. I was uh, at a football game last night, and uh, one of the teams was carrying in the American flag. Well, the American flag isn't, you know, like the fabric and the colors. It's a symbol, right? 50 stars for 50 states, 13 stripes for 13 original colonies, uh, some other ones I can't remember about the red and the white, why there's red and white, and we're the red, white, and blue. And so the flag isn't about what it is, it's about what it's symbolic for. Almost every place that you go, you'll find or see someone with a cross around their neck or maybe a cross tattoo on their arm or a, a church with a giant cross out in the front. Is that about sort of two lines that meet at a perpendicular? It's a symbol, what is a cross a symbol of? It's a symbol of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. I think you understand what I'm saying. Uh, this is a symbol. Dates back to the counterculture in the 1960s. It means peace. Uh, when I'm driving in my car, sometimes uh, people give me another symbol. Uh, uh, I probably deserved it. Uh, what I came to say today is this. Uh, Symbols become meaningless when they're blindly followed without understanding the significance. That's what I came to say today, and I think you're going to see why that's important. So uh, we're about to enter into the Christmas season, the Thanksgiving season. There's a lot of like angst, you know, about when is it okay to set up, you know, like your Christmas tree, your Christmas lights. The, are you allowed to celebrate Christmas before Thanksgiving and then go back to Christmas afterwards? I'm not really interested in in any of that, uh, except for to say that the holiday season uh, is filled with symbols, isn't it? And you can really easily miss out on the thing behind the thing if you just sort of follow it in an empty way. That's kind of what I'm aiming for. Does that make sense? It can become so easy to, even in faith, I don't know what kind of church background you have. I don't know what kind of church that you go to. This is your church for a lot of people here. But man, religion and faith is filled with so many symbols. 
and it is filled with so many people. Man, I can't tell you how many people I talk to who are like, yeah, you know, I went to church and I went through the class when I was a teenager and they said a bunch of stuff and kind of like, you know how you can go through like three years of high school Spanish and like not be able to get much past counting to 10? Can I get a witness, anybody in the... A lot of people, their experience with faith is like that, where at one point in time, I kind of knew a bunch of stuff, but now, I don't know, it just was, I don't know, yeah. So uh, the symbols of our faith are teaching us this. God wants us, that's what I want to show you in the Bible today. God wants us saved and baptized and part of the church under the authority of Jesus' death and resurrection and future return. That's what Jesus wants for you. That's what he wants for me. That's what Jesus Christ wants for every person on this planet. He wants us to be saved and to be baptized and to be part of the church under the authority of Jesus, death, resurrection, and future return. So um, let me teach it to you this way. Uh, I'm going to start today in uh, Romans chapter 10. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. I'm going to go a few places. Normally, I like to take one section of the Bible and teach it through to you. But for the purposes of what we're aiming for today, uh, I wanted to do it this way. I'm aware that we have a brunch uh, that many people are here and excited for at the end of this service, so I'm going to speak like someone who knows the food is coming after I'm done today. All right, Kim, I'm going to try to just get to it and get on the next thing. We'd love for you to join us. That's right after service downstairs. It's going to be a good day. So this is Romans chapter 10, uh, and I'm going to start in verse 5. I want to first talk to you about the symbol of getting saved. This is something that is in a very, like, is very common in an evangelical church tradition is this, there's this point in time people talk about where you get saved or maybe the way it was explained to you is like you you pray to ask Jesus to go where into your heart maybe you heard it that way or maybe you for you you were at like a camp and it was like you're going to throw a stick in a fire or you're going to nail some sins to a cross or it was some kind of like thing like that but there's this symbolic thing I want to talk about what's behind it so uh it says this Romans chapter 10 and verse 5 it says this for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law. That the person who does the commandments shall live by them. That's uh, in the New Testament. This is Paul explaining the way that salvation or getting saved worked in the Old Testament. So if you've read your Bible, you know that there's this kind of two parts. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, Jesus Christ hadn't come yet. And so salvation was based on obedience. That's what he's saying here. So Moses wrote about this righteousness that is based on the law. It was this idea in the Old Testament. Here's all the rules, and you have to follow all of them. And if you don't, like, get any of them, if you get any of them wrong, you're out and you can't be saved. That was the idea in the Old Testament. It was like you had to get things perfect. And it wasn't like now, you know, in school where if you get, like, if you bomb a test, you can, like, ask the teacher for extra credit, and they're, like, afraid of the parents, so they'll probably just give it to you because, like, our society doesn't really want people to fail anymore. It wasn't like that in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it was like one strike and you're out. It says in the Scripture that if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of all. So in the Old Testament, it was this perfection-based system. But amazingly enough, the whole thing changes when Jesus comes. In the New Testament, which is the age that we're living in now, we are saved by faith. This is what he gets to in the next verse. Paul says in chapter 10 and verse 6, if you're looking with me. He says, but the righteousness that is based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is this is the word that we proclaim. 
Now he makes it clear what he means in the next verse. Verse 9, he says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. What is so challenging about coming into relationship with Jesus Christ is that it is, this is what he's saying, it is something that happens inside, and we only know if the thing happened inside by what we end up seeing on the outside. So he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What do you really believe right in here? For with the heart you believe, that's how you're justified. But with the mouth, you confess and are saved. Getting saved, this is the symbolic thing that I'm talking about right now, is internal faith with an external expression. So the way that you know that you're saved is by what you believe on the inside, but the way that you show the people around you is by what you say and do on the outside. Now what's challenging about this is there are plenty of people who have no problem saying with their mouth that they believe, but if you kind of watch the way they're rolling through the world, anybody, you know, if you never know one of these people like this, you're kind of like, well, you're saying it, but I don't know. It's um, what happens is not uh, because of what you say. It's about what's true on the inside. It's like you may know this reference, you may not. It's like when um, Michael Scott declared bankruptcy. I don't know if I can get anybody in the room. Yeah. And the guy says to him, right, but it's, you can't just say bankruptcy and have anything happen. It's the other stuff. Okay, good. I got like 30% on that. That's good. That's enough to carry it to the next server. That really j- joke was for me more than anybody. What is challenging? Thank you. Okay, at the piano. He was happy. Yeah. So, so uh, I wonder, can I ask you, respectfully, while we're here together, do you have this faith? Do you believe in your heart right now, that God raised his son Jesus Christ from the dead on the third day? And are you willing to confess with your mouth that that's what you believe? If you are not, it means that you cannot go to heaven when you die, regardless of how much money you give to charity, how nice of a person you are, how many times that like, you know, like when you pull up to a four-way stop and it's kind of awkward, we both got there at the same time and you're the one of those people who's always just like, no problem, I'm not in a hurry, go on ahead. That's not enough to get you to heaven. God makes it clear. That's the symbol. So what I want for us, what I want for us, I have two more I want to talk about, is to not get stuck in thinking that just because I went through some symbol sometime in my past, that means that I have saving faith in Jesus Christ. The way that I have saving faith in Jesus Christ is if I believe right now in my heart, yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ raised from the dead, and yeah, you know what? I, yeah, I could say that right out loud. That's the first symbol. That's God wants us, that's what I said at the beginning, God wants us saved, he wants us baptized, he wants us part of the church under the authority of Jesus' death, resurrection, and coming again. Second symbol I want to talk to you just a little bit about is about getting baptized. Uh, Baptism is the first outward sign of an inward faith. Baptism is the first outward sign of an inward faith. So uh, the way that it is in the scripture is um, every time someone comes to faith in Jesus in the New Testament, the next thing that they do 
is they get dunked in the water in front of a bunch of people and they say, I believe in Jesus. Now that all feels very symbolic. Like, does that mean that there's something holy in the water? Does that mean that like somehow like, you know, when I come up out of the water, I'm never going to struggle with sin again or ever feel depressed again? Or it doesn't have anything to do with any of that. It is the way that I say, yeah, that thing that was in my heart, it's real. And I'm serious about it. It's genuine to me. Um, I don't think this is perfect analogy, but I think it's close. It's like um, getting married doesn't mean you're in love, but it's a pretty good way of showing everybody that you know that you're in love. Lord knows, hopefully. <laughs> so after Jesus died and rose, everyone who believed the gospel was baptized. This is all over the book of Acts. I've got a whole bunch of references there on the screen. It's the same every single time. The Bible doesn't know of a person who's like, yeah, yeah, I got the thing on the inside. But yeah, you know, I just, I don't really like want to get my hair wet in front of people or I don't want to do like that thing. So baptism is the sign of, uh, first outward sign of an inward faith. I want to just teach you for a minute um, about how we baptize people here in this church and I want to just try to teach you a little bit about it. So we baptize believers by immersion in faith. So one of the things that uh, comes up right here is, you may have grown up in a church or in a tradition where we baptize babies instead of adults. I wonder why. why. Why do we do that? So there's two kind of strands here, and I just want to teach you a little bit about it, that come together. Um, in the Old Testament, it was a big deal. Everyone who was one of God's chosen people, who was uh, kind of born into the Jewish family, all of the young men were circumcised on the eighth day. And that was their way of showing that they were part of this family. Uh, and so what a lot of people did when the New Testament age came is uh, they thought, well, you know, we don't, we're going to baptize babies as a way of also showing that they are entering the community of faith. So in the Old Testament, circumcision symbolizes entering the community of faith. In the New Testament, baptize, baptism symbolizes entering the community of faith. And so what some people did is they uh, thought, and this was around the time when this doctrine was developing, was around the time, I don't know if you know anything about this, but the bubonic plague and in the Middle Ages, when like, there was this amazingly high, in some periods of time, up to 50% of babies that were born didn't make it to five years old. And there was this sense of fear and trepidation among people in the church saying, I want to make sure that, that my child, just like, oh man, I love the baby dedication a minute ago. Was anybody? I know you're not thinking this is better than that was. That was the peak of the service. I get it. Because when you see this little baby, there's so much potential, right? And there's so much enthusiasm and so much joy and you just think about all the things that could happen and so it like totally makes sense to me that when people had often a young child like that that didn't make it to five years old they thought we're going to get them baptized right now just to like we want to try to make sure that they're in the family of faith that was that's why some church traditions baptize babies what i would say about it i think scripturally speaking is that uh the only problem is that's not ever like commanded in the bible ever their infant baptism is an extra-biblical attempt to symbolize a really good thing. So it's not something to be harsh on. If you were baptized as a baby, you don't need to get, like, unbaptized before you can get rebaptized. You don't need to say you're sorry. I'm sure that your parents did it in faith for a really good reason. Uh, this is not the kind of church where we want to be harsh towards people who are doing their best in the best way they know how. I think that the only thing that gets missed out on is... Baptism is intended to be a volitional choice 
that you make for yourself, not a choice that someone makes for you. This will happen here sometimes at the church where like a, a seven or eight or nine-year-old kid will say that they want to get baptized. It's a great thing, but what we always try to do is be like, all right, let's try to like get you away from mom for a second. And you want to try to make sure, is this the kid choosing or is this mom? Because a lot of us, I want to just ask for a show of hands in just a second, how many people had the experience in their life of having some kind of faith when they were a young person and then somewhere through that teen and early 20s years feeling like it got really stretched and maybe I even lost it for a little while before I found it again? Who has some version of a testimony like that? A lot of people. The second service, it's all of them, obviously. <laughs> Sketchy, huh? So baptism is supposed to be a stake in the ground moment of deciding once and for all, which is why we want to allow people to do it in their time when they're ready. That's all. Hope you heard that in the spirit that I meant it in. Also, why do we uh, immerse people versus sprinkling or pouring them? We put people all the way under the water and bring them all the way up out of the water because that's what we see happen in the Bible. So if we're like, uh, I knew some people like during COVID lockdown time that got like, you know, baptized over Zoom, like in a bathtub. <laughs> Looking back now, it kind of feels like they probably could have waited. That feels like that would have been a little bit of a sketchy thing. But they were using the resources they had at the time to be as obedient to God as they knew how. Awesome. But we want to just, as our best we can, we want to do what the Bible tells us to do. That's why we put people all the way under the water. Why do I say that we baptize people in faith? We baptize believers by immersion in faith. The reason why I say in faith is sometimes... People come to the church, and they want to get baptized, and then somewhere along the way, they disappear or lose track of their faith, and there's this kind of like, you get that feeling of like, oh, no, was it, was it not real? Did they not mean it? I had this friend I went to college with. I think he's been baptized like three, four times, because like every time he would go to a different church, he'd be like, no, no, this time I really mean it. Uh, I know, it's weird, right? Uh, the reason why we baptize people in faith is because God knows what's happening in a person's heart. Our job is to love, and if they come forward and say they want to be baptized, that's why we do it that way. So that's all under this idea of this symbol. And I wonder how many people are there who can hear me uh, right now who this is something that God has clearly, all over his word, said every believer does. I wonder how many people there are who can hear my voice right now who have not yet taken that step of obedience. When's going to be the right time? I would suggest kindly and in faith that the right day to obey God is always today. Third thing I want to talk to you about is uh, I want to talk about taking communion. If you've got those little elements in your hand, maybe you could grab those now. If you need one um, and you're a Christian, you can raise your hand and someone will bring it to you. Yeah, there's plenty. Yeah, oh, here she comes. Great job, Deb. Yep. So, taking communion. Uh, communion is our spiritual connection to Jesus' death. That's what communion is. Communion is our spiritual connection to Jesus' death. It's a symbol, right? This is what we're talking about. We're talking about symbols. Uh, Jesus instituted communion at, uh, at the Last Supper. I've always found it like weird, you know, that famous painting... I've always found it weird that they're all sitting on the same side of the table. It's like, hey, I want to have like a really important conversation. Cool, let's all sit shoulder to shoulder and none of us can see each other. I don't know. 
take that up with Da Vinci at some point or Michelangelo, whoever that was. Uh, good, good, good. Communion is our, special, is our spiritual connection to Jesus' death. This is what Jesus was instituting. This is in uh, Matthew, I believe, is the reference that I have in here. They were all sitting, and it says that Jesus took bread. Can I have uh, one of those? I don't think I got one. What was it? Oh, look at that. She put two for me here, one for each service. I know. What a woman. Uh, we're married, by the way. Uh, <laughs> he took bread and gave thanks and broke it, it says. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So people of faith, for 2,000, just think for a second how long that is, 2,000 years have been celebrating this same remembrance. Some form of bread as a symbol for the body of Jesus broken and some sort of wine or juice of some kind for the blood of Jesus poured out. What is the symbol? Why is it significant? So uh, different church traditions believe different things. The, our Catholic and Eastern Orthodox friends believe that uh, in something called like transubstantiation, it's the idea that when you take communion, as it enters your mouth, it becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. Am I like okay to say that that feels weird? Is that, am I, can I like, I'm not in trouble if I say that feels weird, right? Okay, yeah, I got a few people on that. Yeah, I, uh, our Lutheran friends, of which there's many, um, believe in some kind of like a middle ground idea that it's maybe not the literal body and blood of Jesus, but that it's the literal presence of Jesus that communion becomes when it enters your mouth. This church and maybe a lot of the churches that you've been in your life believe uh, in a symbolic significance. It's not really about that like the thing transforms molecularly in your mouth, but that there is a power when we remember the symbol that God wants us to remember in the way that he wants us to remember. That's there's something about symbolic things. They produce vivid memories um, and strong emotions. Uh, some of you are tracking along with this, some of you aren't, it doesn't matter. I, coached this, I helped coach the seventh grade football team and uh, we had the championship Super Bowl game last night, late last night, and uh, we lost by one point in the very last second and I was like, helping carry all these like 12 and 13 year old boys who were just like crying their eyes out like and then there's this sad picture because they made us all go stand with the second place trophies in our hand and you could just see them they're all just like and they got like the eye black is smeared and it's just like it's who would ever want to look at this picture like ever again like ever but so but every time they look at that trophy they're going to have that feeling of like symbols produce really strong emotions, don't they? They just do. This is why you may have this in your life, someone that you love that you lost, and on their birthday, as an example, you go and visit the place where they're buried. Well, they're not there anymore, so why do you go there? Because there's something about, maybe it's the headstone or the place, or maybe you do something different, you go to their favorite place to eat or whatever it might be for you and for your family. The point is that there's something about the symbol that makes you feel connected to the person again, isn't there? 
There's, uh, there's songs that I could put over the loudspeaker in here right now that would take you back to some like long night of who knows what or some song that you listened to after a breakup like 400 times in a row. Back in my era, that was like you would burn a CD, but you would like burn the CD with like 14 of the same songs. You could just listen to it over and over and over. Music for sure is a part of that, right? It has this connection. It can bring you right back to a place. And Jesus gave us this symbol to help us remember what he did for you and for me. And the, the main thing that the scripture says about the symbol is don't, Get yourself caught in doing the symbol casually or without thinking about it or without paying attention to it or without like thinking through all the ramifications of it. Make sure that you're not just like throwing the stuff in your mouth, like walking along without taking the time to remember that what actually happened was that Jesus Christ said, do this in remembrance of me. What did he mean in remembrance of, of what? in remembrance of the fact that Jesus Christ, the scripture says, went uh, to the cross. If you know anything about the way that Jesus died, it was uh, particularly brutal, long-lastingly painful. You remember the, the crazy sacrifice. Like We don't really do much in our world, most of us, to go out of our way for anyone. Like I was working on this message the other day and I walked to the coffee shop and there was uh, someone getting out of the car about the time I was walking up and it was kind of like which one of us was going to make it in the door first. And I'll tell you, I sped right up to get in that door so that I could get to the cash register before they would because that was going to save me like 44 seconds in getting my coffee. Most of us are pretty oriented towards living life in a way that makes things optimal for ourselves, right? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, don't you know? said, you know what, these people on earth, they can't figure it out by themselves. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on a human body and I'm going to go down there. And at the end of me being down there, I'm going to die. And I'm going to die in a terrible way. I'm going to die in a terrible way for a bunch of people who are often going to not really pay that much attention to the symbols and frankly are most of the time just going to take the whole thing for granted, thinking like, I hope he finishes soon. It's almost time to go get my food. So when he says, do this in remembrance of me, He's pointing at this divine mystery. So we're going to take communion in just a second together. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are invited to participate in that with us. But what are these symbols pointing us towards? We're almost done now. These symbols are pointing us towards uh, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3. Paul's getting to the end of what he's writing, and uh, I don't know if this ever happens to you. He's like, all right, all right, I just want to give you like I want to just get to the, like, the main thing. This is the, the main thing I want to teach you, the main thing I want to tell you. He says, for I, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. So everything that I came to say, this is the most important thing. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. But he didn't stay dead, he rose. And after he rose, he's not just like risen and gone, he is soon coming back. He says, this is the most important thing of all. And so what I came to say today, friends, is that symbols become meaningless when they are blindly followed without understanding the significance. And I don't want uh, us to go one more day. I wonder, I just want to talk about all three of them again for just a second. Are you 
truly saved. Not like, I think so. Kind of, I'm pretty, yeah, I think so, I think, yeah. I mean, like, if today was the last day of your life, do you feel confident, 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 that you know the answer to the question, if Jesus Christ asked you, why should I let you into heaven? Do you feel confident that you would be able to say, well, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, so I know that I'm saved. We're so used to the, the casual thing. We're so used to the casual thing. We're so used to the casual thing, aren't we? Like, I think sort of. I think I did. Yeah, I think I did. And I would just kind of like throw it to you this way. Um, Kim, are you married? I mean, none of us have ever like really ever see your husband, but you're married, right? Yeah, you're married. Are you sure that you're married? You're sure that you're married. And how do you know? You got, okay, you went like this. So he gave you money? Is that what you're trying to say? You went like this. I want to be really clear. You went like this. Was, was that what she did? I just want to let the race straight. The reason that you know that you're married is there was a time and a place and a moment where you were not married and then you were married. Kristen, same. Remember that one? June 29, 2007. I remember that one. Christian? All around the room, if you are married, the reason that you know you're married is it happened at a point in time, right? How could you possibly think that you could start a relationship with the great, risen son of God, king of the universe, and not be like totally sure, I just think kind of over here that it happened? I don't wonder maybe could that day be today for somebody. There's also some people here who would say, yeah, I'm for sure saved, but I've never been baptized. And I want to encourage you, I'm not going to make it too easy. I want to encourage you to say, I'm going to make this happen. So I'm going to call the pastor. I'm going to find out when the next time is. I'm going to get on the schedule. And I'm not going to go another month, another year, another week of being sort of obedient to God. I want to be fully obedient to God. And now last, I want to, uh, I want to leave those with you. I'm going to pray in just a second. But I want us just to get ready to take communion so you can start to pull these things open. Not going to rush because we're not in a rush. Just get the, the bread in your hand if you have it, a little cracker. Some of you were complaining about the crackers. I think we got a little better ones now. Thank the good Lord. This, what you're holding in your hand, is a symbol that is supposed to be drawing your attention by its color, by its consistency, by what Jesus said, something. It's drawing your attention to the fact that Jesus Christ's body was broken for you. He broke for you. And so could I just say, yeah. Could I just say, When was the last time you stopped and paused to say thank you? When was the last time you were like, all that selfishness, all those lies, all that lust, all that stupidity, all the things, Lord, my sin was part of what put you there. And yet you gave yourself for me. If you're believing it today, 
And meaning it today, I invite you to take the body of Jesus Christ broken for you. There's something about a... something about the blood that's even more I don't know intense or something the red the sense that his blood flowed it it has a bit of that like queasy thing that we like to look away from if I'm being honest and uh, I wonder when was the last time you paused to say, every foolish choice I've made, every mess I've made of my life, the blood of Jesus Christ is enough to cover all of it. Enough to cover all of it. Not like uh, enough to mostly cover or just barely cover. Not like we're not quite sure if we have enough food at dinner so everybody don't take quite too much. We just don't want to run out. The blood of Jesus Christ covers all of your sin, past and present and future. And the only thing that is required for us to partake in the beauty and the majesty and the mystery of that beautiful kindness and grace is to say Jesus Christ is Lord and he died for me and I choose to believe by faith that I can't solve my sin problem. I can't do anything to fix it myself, but the blood of Jesus Christ is enough. If you believe it today, take the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Thank you, Lord. 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 This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.